You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. We tend to get overly focused on feminism in North America, here in North America, uh, sometimes failing to realize that the women's movement is global and making massive strides in other countries, like Israel, for example. The fight against the sex trade has been particularly successful there, uniting women in a way we haven't seen in North America. In 2018, the Prohibition of Consumption of Prostitution Services Act passed, a law that imposes fines for consuming prostitution or attempting to pay for it. The law began being enforced in July, making Israel the 10th country to adopt the Nordic model. To learn more about the feminist movement in Israel, I spoke to two Israeli activists, Daphna Morel and Luba Fain. Thanks, both of you, for um, taking the time to talk with me and fitting me in. I don't know what time it is where you are. <laughs> Hopefully not the middle of the night. Well, I'm actually in your time zone, so for me, it's, awesome. it was piece of okay. okay. I'm in Oregon, so... Luba, on the other hand, is in Israel. Yes, it, the, uh, this is uh, the middle of the night in Israel, but as far as the kids are asleep, I'm okay. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't we start by with introductions? So maybe, Luba, you can start in, and just tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. So uh, I'm uh, an Israeli abolitionist. I'm a member of the Women Coalition Against Prostitution, which uh, promoted the Nordic model here in my country. Uh, today, I'm working on my book that uh, analyzes the history of the law in Israel from the perspective of uh, sex trade survivors. At the same time, I collaborate with uh, various NGOs in the Nordic model implementation and uh, write about the sex trade for multiple magazines and journals in Hebrew and English. Great. And Daphna, tell me a little bit about you. Well, I'm not as impressive as Luba. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, as a job, I'm a restaurant manager, what you can't really do right now. And I'm a feminist activist. I uh, was a part of uh, the slot walk and a lot of things about abolitionism. Um, and that's it, I think. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved in the feminist movement in Israel? Well, I came from like a... My mother is a very feminist woman, and she's a single mother, so, like, I was raised that way. And when I was 18 or 19, I got to know, like, um, a program in Israel that helps get, like, uh, teenagers that are at risk from the streets. And then I got into to actually understanding what prostitution is and what it does to mostly women, but also men. Um, and when I went to uh, college, I got together with a, a other, like a feminist group and we started doing things on that matter. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Lupa? How did you get involved in the feminist movement? I, uh, I, I'm mostly involved in, um, 
in um, anti-sex trade uh, movement. And uh, general feminism, I'm a moderator of, uh, I'm one of the moderators of uh, the biggest feminist group in Israel. It has, um, as for now, about 40,000 members. <laughs> and, and I moderate this group with uh, two of my close friends. And uh, beside this uh, feminist group, most of my activism focuses on the Nordic model. Uh, now it was promotion in the, in the past, now it, it will be implementation. It's in the, uh, how, how did it start? Um, I don't know, I'm involved uh, in, uh, in anti-sex trade activism for decades. I researched this uh, field and uh, um, take a part in the uh, abolitionist activism as much as I can. The f f big feminist group was, has started uh, as uh, a small project that just... Uh, it, it, it just uh, grow. And now this is the biggest group, but it wasn't the original plan. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you can tell me a bit about the trajectory of the feminist movement in Israel. Um, you know, did it follow a similar path to the feminist movement in the U.S. and the U.K.? In Canada, for example, i.e., like, was there a first wave and a second wave, a third wave? How did that all play out? I think that in Israel, feminism is eclectic. Like, like we are very advanced. If we, if we speak abolitionism, we are incredibly advanced because we are the eighth country in the world to ban the purchase of sex. And uh, this is a huge uh, success, exceptional achievement on a global scale. scale. But um, in, in some topics, we are less advanced. That's why I call it eclectic. I, I think that uh, radical feminism is almost non-existent here. Uh, we have many uh, new liberal 44-wave uh, uh, pop feminism. No, <laughs> <laughs> but we are like... We are like six or seven uh, radical feminists in Israel. Why, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we yeah we have a small group of radical feminists here, and uh, but, but that's all. The the sex purchase ban it, it was it, it is a it is a successful uh, movement, and the the law was adopted. But the entire issue was framed here as a humanitarian rather than than a radical feminist issue. The activist group that promoted the Nordic model always framed it as a humanitarian topic. And uh, this way we got uh, broad support from left and right wing uh, politicians. Luba, I think that uh, like in addition to that was a time that Israel was a, like a major trafficking destination. So exactly. It was so horrible. It was easier to promote uh, I think yes. I, I think yes. I think our um, our disadvantage disadvantage this horrible situation of traffic in twenty years ago. It it was um, a, it, it was a struggle which uh, we will be able to leverage uh, later, like in the nineties, more in the nineties. Yes, and early in the beginning of this millennium, our country has uh, become a trafficking destination. From uh, for sex trafficking from uh, ex-communist countries in East of Eastern Europe, 
And uh, while the country was flooded by trafficking, uh, I'm, I'm speaking about 90s in the beginning of this millennium, uh, the general public was indifferent. It was framed as uh, prostitution, prostitution which uh, harms, uh, um, maybe harms our society, but uh, no, only a few people uh, were able to analyze it and to see it as a human tragedy. I remember uh, that uh, in uh, 1990-something, I, I have seen a show on the TV where uh, three men uh, sat on the paddle with a, a journalist of Russian origin, and she was asked how it is that uh, our country is full of Russian prostitutes, and, and she started apologizing for it. So it was absolutely, yeah. She apologized for it? <laughs> yeah, she apologized for Russian prostitutes. She said, no, 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 they, they are not uh, Russian immigrants, they are tourists. So they are prostitute, uh, this is prostitution tourism, something like this. So and, uh, can, I, can we just go back a little bit? How did, how did um, Israel become a trafficking destination and, and how big was that problem back in the 90s? The problem was uh, was horrible, and uh, we can uh, we can see that in uh, 2001, Israel was uh, ranked uh, tier three by U.S. State Department uh, Traffic in Persons uh, report. Tier three is the lowest possible ranking, which means that uh, this means that uh, the country doesn't meet a minimum standards of uh, of uh, combating the situation like uh, the ranking a country, the countries are getting the ranking not for succeeding in uh, in uh, eliminating the trafficking but uh, more for attempts how much uh, uh, how much attempts they did uh, there was did. also a legal thing it was awful situation and and from, from they this, didn't demand visas from eastern europe countries and they yes, kind of blended uh, in with the, uh, you know, Russian Jews that were brought here after the communist. The trafficking, the trafficking uh, roads, uh, uh, they they trafficked women to Egypt, Egypt, and from Egypt they illegally trafficked them uh, via Israeli Israeli Egyptian border. It was not uh, it, it it wasn't a legal uh, tourism with visa. It was trafficking. They had the, they made tunnels on the Israeli-Egyptian border, and they smuggled the women. Uh, so in 2000, a, a left-wing feminist member of parliament, her name was Hava Galon, uh, she initiated, uh, uh, founding a, coal, a coalition of uh, NGOs, politicians, and individual feminists. To, to combat the trafficking situation. And uh, they started, uh, they contacted the, uh, the authorities, they contacted international uh, organizations like uh, US State Department, Amnesty International, uh, that uh, still didn't uh, <laughs> support the PIMS then. And uh, they tried to, to educate the general public. And after six years of intensive work, they were a they were able to promote to pass the first anti-trafficking bill and the anti-trafficking bill was so successful that uh, the trafficking was uh, I, I cannot say eliminated because you never know it but uh, the trafficking was successfully minimized 
And uh, eight years ago, Israel was uh, already ranked tier one, the highest possible rank by the U.S. report. So you mentioned earlier that the the sex ban purchase, I think, was supported both by the left and the right. I wonder if that's sort of common to the Israeli feminist movement. That is to say, I wonder if feminists, um, I wonder if feminists are divided or more united on topics than than we are, say, in the, the U.S. and Canada, and where there are, like, massive divides around certain issues, namely prostitution and pornography and things like that. Um, but, you know, there's also these, these big debates around left versus right. So in Canada, for example... Um, we've not been able to get any support from the left in terms of our fight against prostitution, um, the sex industry in general, as well as, of course, other issues like gender identity that we can get into later. But I'm curious to know if, if the movement is, is different um, over there in terms of unity. Um, I don't know if maybe, Daphna, you would be able to speak to that? Uh, yeah, I, I can. Uh, well, first of all, the left and right in Israel is uh, different than the left and right um, in any Anglo-Saxon uh, country. Uh, it also has a lot to do with the gender identity issues that are just now starting to rise in Israel. And you get a lot of like religious conservatives on the right that are opposed to prostitution and from the left, let's say radical feminists, that oppose it and they collaborate. Uh, now you can actually see that it, that it starts to break as and more left-wing people go to more uh, uh, pro-sex work approach, but it's new. It's just starting in Israel. Up until now, it was um, sex trafficking and prostitution was a subject that feminists of, of both sides would agree, even like, you know, very right-wing uh, woman, women in in Israel would oppose prostitution, and the left wing was supposed to to oppose it because it's human rights. Only now we start to see the shift that it's already happening in America, Canada, or England. Mm. Um, and I wonder if there were other issues that, that cause divide in the feminist movement. I know you, you mentioned Slut Walk earlier, and I wasn't quite sure um, what that was attached to, but d was Slut Walk a thing in Israel? It's a huge thing in Israel, and uh, Luba and myself were, like, a few years ago, part of, like, the organizing of, of this thing, and... All around the world, it's very pro-sex work. Mm -hmm. I hate that expression. Mm -hmm. And in Israel, it wasn't. And this is part of the shift that we see now. Because, like, the last... This year, COVID-19 was no slut walk. But last year was very more pro-sex work than the years before that. Because all the or orga organizations of the, of the slut walk were against it before. And now you start to see it shift to be the way it is in other countries. Okay, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, over here, all, you know, radical feminists were super critical of Slut Walk, including myself, of course, because 
it had this real pro-sex industry, pro-BDSM angle, um, and, you know, was was pretty opposed to radical feminist and, and second-wave feminist ideals. So I... I mean, I wonder how that change happened over there where there you you had unity around the prostitution issue, you had unity around the sex industry issue, but now it sounds like there's sort of a pro-sex work in quotations, air quotes. Yeah, I think it's all about the leaders, because when when it was, uh, the slut walk was against prostitution, because the leaders of that, uh, of the slut walk were completely opposed to it and we even changed like uh, a good friend of ours did the whole uh, branding and everything and the campaign itself and she changed it uh, it's not like still not asking for it to uh, who are you to call me a slut like the whole thing was a bit different and then when it started to be more pro sex work we all backed off and now you see it go back to how it is in um America, England, Canada, and so on, so on. Mm. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think this pro-sex work um, activism started turning up over there, kind of all of a sudden? I, I, me personally, I don't think that. Uh, I think that pro, pro, uh, this is about uh, Israeli feminist being uh, not uh, a, a little bit eclectic, or maybe not. Uh, like uh, I'm, I, me as a radical feminist, I don't really. I, I cannot really identify with the slut walks idea, but for me, because I'm a devoted abolitionist, as far as uh, any movement or any rally promote abolitionism, I will be a part of it. I will be supported. But uh, I, this sex work, I don't think that we have a, a real sex work movement in Israel, but we have it because. Uh, after uh, uh, when uh, the sex purchase ban passed, uh, it uh, it uh, provoked uh, uh, establishing a so-called sex work in Joe, which, which is um, it, it includes it, it doesn't include the, only women in prostitution; it includes many academics, uh, men, and uh, women uh, women and men who support sex work. Some of them probably related to the sex trade in some ways, but not all of them and uh, not even half of them. And uh, we have uh, trans rights movements uh, that are uh, a whole for uh, for the sex trade and against the, the sex purchase ban. I think that as, as far as uh, the, the sex purchase ban was adopted, it, it it was uh, just natural that many people will uh, will oppose it because it is something uh, institutionalized and uh, probably uh, probably bad guys promoted it. Some people just uh, like being underdogs, and <laughs> we have many people. <laughs> and we have many people who who initially support the liberal idea that uh, prostitution is uh, the female right to prostitute herself. I have to say on this thing, I'm a libertarian and I think it's bullshit, so <laughs> don't, don't say <laughs> Daphne is an abolitionist libertarian. This is uh, this is a phenomenon which Interesting. is <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have those over here. <laughs> I, I, I know one. I know one. Eclectic. 
in in the U.S. She's uh, she started an organization called Lola. It's uh, 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 Ladies uh, of Liberty Alliance, and she's against prostitution. It's, it's, she's a radical feminist and a libertarian, uh, but I know one, <laughs> so it's it's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to get into the the prostitution law and issue a little bit more, but I also wanted to just go back a bit, just because I'm I'm curious still about the the traje- the trajectory of the movement. Um, I want like what have been some other key issues in the feminist prior to to the prostitution law and the issue around sex trafficking um what have been some some key fights over the past i don't know half century um i think you know uh uh, um domestic violence obviously is a big issue and actually we people go like you have protest about it and it gets the attention, not as much as the slut walk and, and naked girls walking around, but it gets some attention. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the equal pay. What do you think, Luba? You know, what's the history of abortion law, for example? Abortion? Mm-hmm. No, abortion here is easy. Uh, it is uh, it is easy, but it is uh, this is also a women rights issue. We have uh, abortions commissions in Israel, and if you want to over, to undergo abortion, you should get uh, permission from the commission. And uh, I think I think this is a severe human rights issue. Even even if uh, most women uh, get those permissions, this is uh, this is not the the things should be. I think that the reason there is this commi- commission, and I've been through it, and you get 99% of the of the uh, women pass it. It's completely degrading, and it's horrible commission to pass. But it's not such a public issue like here, because no, like there's no because when for the Jewish, you know, for Jewish people, it's basically frowned upon, but it's not like murder, like for Christian. So the whole subject, it's still like it should be, you know, on demand and 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 uh, uh, an issue between uh, a woman and her physician. But it's as as a something. Uh, uh, it's not a big issue here because there's no no states that tells you that you can't do it and and uh, you can only do it privately and you have to wait two weeks or stuff like that. Right, we are not San Salvador, but uh, but I I would love those commissions to disappear. But uh, Daphne, Daphne is correct because it pra- practic- from the practical point of view, probably this is not the the the, the emergency. We have m- emergencies like domestic violence, like uh, implementation of the sex purchase ban with uh, the range of support services. This is emergency, and the commissions uh, commissions are more. Uh, ideological issue. They are degrading and uh, they, they should not exist, but as far as as most women get uh, their permission for abortion... It's like probably- 99%. So. Mm-hmm. so is the commission like women have to apply to get an abortion and do they have to, are they asked certain questions or how does that work? Oh, it's degrading. I went there and I had a, um, I got pregnant from my boyfriend. We were, we were living together and uh, we were together for like five years, and then they started asking me. I was like twenty, 
really 24 something like that and then the, it's like a social worker two doctors it was and, and uh, it was just like one uh, woman there the other four guys i don't remember what exactly was their title and you get in there and then they start asking you a bunch of questions like why can't you keep this baby and well what what do you what's your income and when i told them my income they go like you, you make a good enough money to raise a kid and you know the who's the father and he lives with you so we don't understand why you're not gonna why you why you want an abortion and stuff like that it's it's a really unpleasant experience mm-hmm. but uh, Daphne is right that they as her description is horrible but uh, when uh, sometimes we should uh, pick our battles and yeah. uh, when I, I have friends uh, who exited prostitution and they are so traumatized that uh, they cannot work and I should decide uh, where I will put my efforts so I put my efforts mm-hmm. in, uh, on, 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 in uh, the struggle against the sex trade and the, this uh, abortions commission issue is, is a sort of orphan. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody, puts, uh, nobody gets, uh, gives a priority to this. Uh, Even I don't give it a priority and it's like one of my <laughs> highest priorities as like I'm a child-free uh person and, not, and been through that and still like, okay, even on that issue, it's so... It's basically unpleasant, but not that difficult to get an abortion in Israel. And it's really not the topic, not like in an in, in, uh, in issue of uh, public discourse or the actual act itself. We have bigger fishes to fry. Mm-hmm, totally. But I, the domestic violence is an issue. Yeah, the domestic violence is a problem. We have about uh, 20 women murdered per year this year uh, probably due to the corona lockdown we had more i think we already have more than 20 victims and uh, we are only in uh, july Hmm. and it has to be like i've said like in america there's a lot of murders here's here you don't have like it's a really high percentage of the amount of murders in general Mm-hmm. Yes, we are nine million. So, so twenty murders per year are a lot. And what does that fight look like? So, what are feminists kind of advocating for in terms of solution to the problem of domestic violence over there? Domestic violence solution is uh, we have uh, many uh, many programs, but uh, now uh, the, uh, we are trying to promote uh, education, education against uh, domestic violence, and also uh, solutions for uh, which will be focused on on violent husbands. Like right now, we have a, a routine uh, that uh, that allow, allows the battered woman to escape her violent house with children and to get to them to some refugee. You have the same in Canada. I think we have it everywhere. So in Israel, uh, we try to to promote some alternative of uh, uh, rehabilitation for violent husbands, but it was, was always underfunded. And uh, recently, uh, I've read an interview with uh, our leading criminologist, and she told that uh, violent husbands, they go to the jail, and in the jail, they have basically no rehabilitation programs, because usually usually a violent husband will get uh, two, three years 
it is nev never a long uh, term sentence, a long sentence. So uh, they don't have enough rehabilitation and uh, they get more violent because uh, they expose to other violent men and uh, they uh, draw in, in uh, self victimization. So they leave the jail more violent, angry uh, at a woman who put them into the jail and they're extremely dangerous and this year we had the two husbands who murdered their wives after after being released from a, from the jail and they were in the jail for beating the same wife so uh, they, they came out and they murdered the woman so i think another problem is the restraining orders like no one actually imposed them like mm -hmm. if you get a restraining order in israel then the, the the police doesn't do anything about it they're just okay so she calls again and she says hey he's here after a restraining order and then they're like okay we'll come by sometime to kick him out Right. This is uh, th this is so bad because I remember that uh, 28 years ago, 20 yeah, I was a young woman. I was 20 years old, and uh, my roommate she escaped her violent husband, and the violent husband reached uh, our house and he tried to to murder her, and uh, she went to the police. It was as I said, it was many years ago, and the policewoman told her. Uh, but why are you here? She said, uh, he's threatening to, to murder me. And she said, uh, but he didn't murder you, so why are you here? I think that uh, since then our situation improved. And uh, if, uh, if a violent husband is coming to your place and trying to murder you, you will be taken seriously in the police, but not enough. As Daphne said, women are not protected enough. The restraint orders are not uh, implemented uh, efficiently enough. And again, we have basically next to zero rehabilitation for violent men and rehabilitation is necessary. As far as they don't get a life sentence, they have to be rehabilitated. Otherwise, they, they impose danger to the community, to the wife, to the next wife. Mm -hmm. um. I'm curious to know how accepted the feminist movement is in Israel and if there is a backlash and what that looks like. Um, I, and I'm also curious if there, you know, the divide between secular and religious women has impacted the movement at all or the debates around feminist issues. Actually, in my field of activism and abolitionist activism, we have amazing collabora collaboration with religious uh, feminists. I know that we have uh, many differences and discrepancies, but uh, in this particular topic, they collaborated with us perfectly. Uh, the, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Nordic model was a left-wing idea. It was a, a very small proposal and uh, it had no chance to pass because uh, we have a right-wing uh, government for 10 years, if not more. And But uh, the religious women uh, cooperated with us. They framed the prostitution as, human, as a humanitarian issue, not human rights, not radical feminist, humanitarian issue. They said women suffer. We should not uh, abandon marginalized women. And uh, now we have a, a religious women anti-prostitution coalition. And those women um, help women in the sex trade. They send the uh, gifts for, for holidays. Sometimes uh, they call us and uh, 
ask for advice how to how to talk to sex trade survivors in a respectable manner. And uh, I, I feel like in, in, in this particular field, we have a beautiful collaboration. It's not just religious uh, right wing, also like non-religious right wing. We have Ayala Chaked and Sharon Askel, they, they, they're not religious and they're... This is true, but just because Megan asked about uh, religious women. Yes, we have, we have broad coalition, secular, religious, right, left. Many women, especially female politicians, support uh, our struggle here. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, there's there's this big debate in, in Canada and the U.S. always among radical feminists about you know, working with or collaborating with either religious people or right-wing people, right-wing women, religious women. And I mean, I'm, I'm of the position that we should work with and for all women um, and wish that we would do a better job of, of, you know, collaborating on certain issues, right? Of course, when you're fighting for certain forms of legislation and certain policy change, then, then you need to kind of work with as many people as you can. I think, I'm not sure about Canada, but I think that in Scandinavia, I have read about it, that religious parties or organizations, they, tr- they, they didn't tend to support uh, the Nordic model. They tried to support the prohibitionism, which means the criminalization of uh, women in prostitution. Mm-hmm. And the abolitionists should uh, overcome this. It was an obstacle to overcome. And uh, here we were lucky because uh, the first religious people who came to this uh, field of activism, they were women and they were uh, extremely compassionate. And they, they, they have never, ever mentioned uh, any sort of prohibitionism. It, it never happened. We, we should not convince them. And I wonder if the feminist movement over there has been impacted by the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. This is the left-right uh, divide, yes. We have uh, the, the left-wing uh, feminist women uh, oppose the occupation and... Uh, uh, they are obviously pro-Palestinian and uh, they promote uh, the end of occupation and two-state solution. And we have uh, right-wing women and uh, usually the the right uh, in position, it uh, sort of uh, overcomes feminism. Like uh, you, you can find right-wing women who are feminists and promote many feminist issues like domestic, uh, the anti-domestic violence and uh, the anti-sex trade, but uh, when uh, when it comes to occupation, they uh, our opinions differ. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that in between, like feminists, when it's right wing versus left wing, you get a lot of like left wing feminists go to the right wing feminists and tell them they're not feminist enough. Mm-hmm. And and then it gets like it gets like into a stupid fight inside the feminist movement that I think that it's irrelevant because like I'm against the occupation but I'm like very right wing economy wise I disagree with everyone and by calling me not a feminist over over this I think it's especially in Israel because you know it it is a much more difficult situation I can understand the other side that is like it's it's not against the occupation and the fights that sometimes inside the feminist movement and checking if you're feminist enough, if you're also a vegetarian and if you're also against the occupation and you have sold this and this and that, 
I think it harms us. Mm. Intersection. Of, like, I mean, we have a word for it. This is yeah. intersection. No? Mm -hmm. But me per personally, I, I would really love to see occupation uh, stopping. But uh, I decided with myself that um, abolitionism deserves uh, a full-time activist. So I and right now I disagree with the right-wing people on the occupation issue. But I will collaborate with every feminist. Feminist who are who is willing to take a part in in my struggle. This is uh, my practical decision. I I, I don't believe. Uh, I believe uh, honestly. I believe in intersectional feminism. This way, if you support my struggle, if you support my activism, come in. I don't mind about your opinion, but but I won't I won't uh, make deals. I I won't support uh, their struggles. Like uh, if right wing people support uh, my anti-sex trade uh, battle, I won't support their struggle against uh, refugees. Mm. Okay? I, 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 I don't... Uh, I, I need I, to be like... I don't my support. I, I accept support from every everybody, but I don't trade my support. There are some, some uh, basic issues that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. So I think that we all should accept support from everyone, practically, but uh, we, we can also be loyal to our beliefs and opinions. Mm -hmm. I support refugees. I support two-state solution, and uh, I, I don't. I don't trade my support even for support for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's get back to prostitution law. Um, I wonder if you can tell me about the sex purchase ban. What does that entail? In Israel, we have uh, right now we have a, a very modest version of the sex purchase ban. It started with uh, we, we tried to criminalize the purchase of sex. Right now, uh, it is uh, more like a, a, a sort of administrative uh, uh, offense. But uh, we don't really have a, a offense which is fully administrative because if someone is is uh, keeping to purchase sex, he can in theory he he can go to the jail. I don't believe it will ever happen because even in Sweden they don't put uh, Johns in uh, in prisons. But personally, I'm not. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't believe in uh, in a prison system as a solution for everything. So for me, I I accept this uh, this uh, system of, of fining. We we have fines. And uh, we are working on alternative, uh, fine alternative, which will be a workshop for the Johns. That uh, the Johns will uh, undergo or will, will participate in the workshops. I don't know. Maybe you call me naive. I'm uh, I'm 48 years old, so I'm not young enough to be naive. But I do believe that uh, that we can speak to people. And you know why? Because for for more than two decades, I'm, I'm speaking to people against prostitution and I'm sharing my knowledge and I'm, I'm telling them uh, what I have seen, uh, what, what I know about the sex trade victims. And pe sometimes people change their minds. So I believe that even, uh, even the Panthers, they can change some of them, some of them probably not, but some of them can change. And uh, you know what? Very interesting, very interesting thing. We, in the Tel Aviv University, just uh, uh, they conveyed the survey. The survey was among uh, men who purchased sex. It was before the sex uh, purchase ban. It was in January. 
And uh, among all the men who purchased sex, and uh, they didn't stop doing it. Some, some said we, we, we always stopped doing it. Among those who didn't stop doing it, about uh, 20 percent uh, claim that uh, they will uh, the, the sex purchase ban will make them to stop or uh, significantly significantly reduce the sex consumption. So the very idea of sex purchase ban it is not even enforced. The very idea of the ban um, ch- ch- changed their attitudes. And uh, I have seen recently the uh, research by Melissa Farley, and she asked the question differently. She asked, if you will be punished, not not if uh, there will be sex purchase, but if you personally will be punished, so the percentage of uh, men who said we won't purchase sex was much higher. It was about 50%. <laughs> so I, I learned that uh, for, for some people, sex purchase ban is enough to stop. And uh, for other people, good enforcement can be enough. I, I want to add. I want to add something. Uh, part of the the whole this the the law makes them stop is by understanding what it means, because a lot of people, especially libertarians, because they're stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, whenever I started talking about prostitution, they'll be like, you know, but this is like a her free will and his free will. And then I started showing them like what it actually is. And, you know, right now, a lot of libertarians are like the biggest donors for anti-prostitution, like helping women that want to try to get out of prostitution, because I think like explaining what it actually means and the law does it really fast because then it tells you it's illegal. This is why it's illegal because they're stuck there. They're not there from their free will. Uh, what would you feel? But the whole thing is like making people understand because most of the people, I'm not talking about um, the really bad guys that go to a prostitute because that's the girl they can beat up and 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 that's where they can do it because it's not their wife. I'm not talking about this guys. I'm talking about the guys that goes like to uh, uh, when for a bachelor party, there's a stripper and it's fine. And maybe they will have sex with her and and maybe they won't. And they don't take themselves as bad guys. And for those guys that the law is, is working and, you know, actually explaining and showing to them what the real reality for women in prostitution is so with the with the law came a lot of like explaining and 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 showing the people the whole picture and that it's not just like well she's a college student and she this is how she doesn't have to wait tables and all those lies people that are not like assholes listen and 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 they think differently i think there's a lot of power and you're speaking you're speaking about guys who probably didn't didn't pay for sex and the the workshops we're, we're talking about it, it, it they are they're aimed at, at uh, educating the existing punters the people oh, who yeah, yeah i know um, that's why i said it's like it's it's not for for the really bad kind i think but they're like with the law to explain and the law actually explains to people that point and if you add all, all the stuff that you write and all, all the like, things that we say, you can see that stuff, like, that their mind is different. We want it to be different for the normal human being, not just for, the, for them. 
Because, you know, I think that uh, all, uh, also I want to add to, to, to what I said to Megan earlier. The Nordic model is a long-run uh, story. We we can, we won't uh, wake up tomorrow morning and uh, find a John-free country. It, it won't happen in Canada. It won't happen in Israel. It didn't happen in Sweden. In Sweden, they report uh, reduce uh, in purchase of sex by 50% in 20 years. This is impressive, but... They still have uh, purchase of sex happening and they still have trafficking happening after 20 years. I believe this is a long run project. We should educate uh, young people. And we have here in Israel an amazing NGO, which which main activity is uh, workshops in the school. In the secondary school for for uh, for youngsters for adolescents, and they offer them uh, sex education, including anti-prostitution attitudes. I think we should focus there. We should educate our next generation, because because uh, change in in public attitudes uh, towards uh, issues of um, of issues of male entitlement. This is not something you can change in one day. This is uh, a lot of work involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if you have a big pornography problem in Israel as we do in in Canada and the U.S. and in so many other places. You mean infrastructure? Or you know, how big is the industry? Is there is there a notable porn industry? No, we're watching your porn. Not, not like me. Right, okay. Guys, your <laughs> Sorry. I personally, I personally have a couple of exited uh, friends who are sex trade survivors who were involved in porn industry in Israel. I, Daphne is right. This is a very small industry. We are watching your porn, uh, but uh, but we have we have victims, and uh, I I know personally victims who struggle to to rehabilitate, knowing that people can recognize recognize them. This is uh, probably the most one of the most horrible uh, kinds of uh, prostitution, prostitution which you cannot uh, put behind you. But my my friends uh, shared uh, the feeling of going and going into the mall and uh, being concerned whether people uh, recognize or don't recognize them. So we have it, but probably a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a bit about the gender identity debate. Um, when did when did that debate start popping up over there? I think personally, me, I, I was uh, largely unaware of this uh, debate existing even abroad. I think until uh, until two, 2018, I, I was I, I didn't think it was a, a thing. It just I I never I never thought that I have a gender identity, but uh, it, it was like an unimportant topic. I, I felt like abolitionism is very important, and this is uh, I didn't understand this discourse. I didn't understand why my abolitionist friends abroad and the just the pro- prominent abolitionists like you why they suddenly switched to to completely different issue. I didn't understand it. Well, I did. But, what? I did. I didn't. I didn't understand that. Okay, so why don't you explain? I didn't understand that. I was disappointed. I, my friends uh, can uh, we, we can uh, they can they are evident that I say that I don't understand why Megan Murphy 
doesn't uh, contribute as much to abolitionism as before. I, I couldn't understand it. But in the, what happened that uh, the sex purchase ban was closer and closer. And I expected the trans community to be our natural supporters because, uh, see, I, I don't believe in uh, that everyone has uh, an inner gender identity. But uh, I do believe that uh, women and the trans community have some uh, co sh common battles and prostitution is one of them. A sex trade kills everyone. It kills women, it kills uh, trans women, it kills uh, children. So I, I was sure that uh, I didn't I didn't expect them to support me um, against uh, abortions commissions. This is not their problem, but uh, but sex trade is our shared problem. And then I was uh, su I surprised to find out that nobody supports supports my case in the trans community. I, it, it was uh, shocking, and uh, I. I talked with my activist friends in in the UK, in uh, in Scandinavia, and in Canada too. And people, you said, yes, this is the situation everywhere. We have uh, we have many survivor abolitionists. We have many abolitionists among uh, marginalized communities, women from marginalized communities, but but not trans community. I, it is uh, still an issue to analyze. But uh, the more I try to to talk with trans community about uh, the the Nordic model, uh, the more I, I I was I felt alienated. Uh, they became more and more hostile. So um, I, I, well, I, I want to say I want to say a few things that I start before um, that I, I saw it coming. Uh, there was it's like two occasions that uh, like, a, I don't know, 1915, 16, and it was in Israel when it's still not big. One of them was uh, this guy, which is a guy. And now he refers himself as a guy decided that he's a girl. But he's a girl with a mustache, and, it, and he won't change it. Uh, like, he changed his name just for the fun of it. This was a man in, in Israel. Yeah, a man. And then when we did, the, like, uh, our, um, our, like, feminist activism in the university, and then he asked to come and talk about gender, gender identity instead of, like, a woman talking. And then I started arguing without knowing all the, all the things behind it. I just felt like it's not right. I was like, this is an 18-year-old guy that looks like a guy, and he's gay, and he sleeps with guys. I, I don't understand. Why do we let him talk instead of a woman? This is not right why we have this thing. And I had a huge argument about it with uh, the other uh, people in, 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 in this organization. And... They said, listen, I don't want to be against trans. But I was like, he's not trans. He's just a guy. <laughs> like, everybody worked really hard to refer him as a girl. And we all knew that on, on like, gay apps, he's a guy. So <laughs> I couldn't get it. And then... Uh, so what are the... That, Sorry. That was like the first thing. And then after that, there was this like uh, an area in, in Tel Aviv that is like really dangerous for women to walk in. I mean, it's also like a really uh, where all like, let's say the peers in, in New York, like this is where um, uh, trans trans people go and get uh, customers, <laughs> uh, Johns. 
And so this woman that had not didn't know anything about it started a protest to make the cops go there so she could feel safe to walk home. And then uh, the, all the trans activists started, it, they bullied her to cancel that um, protest because if the cops will come, they don't want have jobs and they don't want have what to eat and they need to keep prostitution exist. And doesn't matter that she can walk down the street without a car stopping by and, and pulling her in. Very violent area, very not a good area. And that was the point that I realized that there is no way that we can agree on that because they think it's 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 good and it's okay and it's a, a way of living and it's more important for them to make their money and then women walking down the street safe. Anyway, uh, me personally, I I support uh, I support uh, making a if if uh, if the any other community feels like uh, it it has uh, to be to become a, a protected category, I completely support it. I support gender identity to be a protected category. I'm I'm all for it, but uh, but but not instead. Not of, at the expense uh, of, of us. Sex. Yeah, not not instead of sex. I completely support, and uh, I feel that uh, it even um, even for this uh, very very humble uh, attitude, we get a lot of hostility because I I don't mind I don't mind the uh, uh, third and fourth safe spaces and uh, uh, any sort of protection for for any other community. But I think that sex based rights should uh, start should stay intact in, in because. Uh, because uh, just uh, we cannot replace them by gender identity because not everyone has a gender identity. I have no gender identity. I think uh, I know many people who have no gender identity. I, I'm completely sure that if I ask my mother's generation, nobody will have a gender identity. So we just don't have gender identity. So it, it is not replaceable. We, we should uh, we should have our sex-based rights and we must uh, if, if if we have to so we we, we must uh, establish more protected categories um i i completely support it but but some women uh, but not some women some people uh, interpret it as a hateful attitude and the, the problem is i feel like uh, the big problem is uh, that uh, we have this uh, this uh, sm uh, small group of activists and uh, people in uh, in uh, occupations like journalism entertainment and uh, those people are really they, they are sort of taking risk for expressing um, uh, their support for sex based rights but most people they take no risk most people can freely say that we don't have gender identity, that we believe in uh, safe spaces separated by sex, and nothing will happen to them. Like uh, I, I know that uh, I, I, I know that you paid a huge price for uh, for being gender critical. I have seen the crazy rally in uh, Toronto. But uh, but most people are are not in in your position. They're not journalists. Like uh, if someone is a surgeon. He won't be fired for for having no gender identity, and uh, if someone is, uh, um, well, I disagree. If you're if you're a surgeon or you're a, 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 a psychiatrist, and a lot of places it it's like to change your sex for like teenage girls, it's 
um, not to agree to change sex, like doing converting uh, um, therapy. It's like trying to make a gay person not a gay person. They they can get this, this uh, I forgot how you say it in English. You know, problem, problem, I still don't understand the problem <laughs> fully. Can I ask okay, you they, they if... They lose their license if they go and say, listen, you're not transgender, you're just depressed, have anxiety, let's try to check other ways of treatment before we actually uh, 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 give you testosterone. And but, okay, 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 so maybe, so maybe I was wrong with searching, but engineer, <laughs> uh, bus driver. Oh, yeah, okay, engineer, uh, I am with you. Can I ask bus, you bus what... driver, a shop, uh, I don't know about, uh, or a programmer, or researcher in some, uh, in not, not gender field or something. Many people won't, ha- won't pay any price. And they still, those people, they send me, they send me Facebook messages uh, with the Luba. You are so brave for saying that you have no gender identity and I admire you, but I cannot like your comment because I'm too scared. I think uh, I just, uh, I I tolerate everyone. I tolerate everyone's fears. I don't want to to mock uh, those people, but I feel like uh, some people, at least some people have more fears than necessary. Like uh, you probably your uh, selfie will be liked by less people and some people will unfriend you for having no gender identity, but you will uh, you will have more friends and more support from people who are probably more relevant to you, more <laughs> enjoyable to you. I nowadays, uh, thanks to being, uh, by the way, abolitionism was also uh, protested in the past. I paid social price for being a feminist, for being an abolitionist. Now I pay a social price for being a, a pro-sex-based rights. But uh, this is not a real price. You you lose some people and you gain uh, much more and probably better people. But yes, of course, in some positions and occupations like journalism, the situation is worse and, you, and the price is higher. I agree. Can I ask what the laws around gender identity are in Israel? Um, you know, can people officially change sex on their, their ID, their documents, their birth certificate? How does that work? Luba, can I take this one? Yes, take because you know better. Yes. <laughs> okay, so it used to be um, after, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists and, and all, all of that. And which makes sense, and this is all okay. And now there is, and it wasn't even a law; it was just like a, you know a paper that uh, the health department uh, got out that it's it's only by self identification. But it's it's just on the beginning of it, so we are actually trying to prevent it. Uh, but still, like uh, publicly, um, once you you identify yourself as a woman, then people like feel they have to treat you. Also, uh, as a woman, and also, like, let's say the worst and the most problematic issue in Israel that is specific to Israel is the army, because the army is mandatory. And there is a a, a guy that didn't want to go to the army, so but so they try to uh, um, so they send him to jail because that's what happens when you don't want to go to the army, and. Then he asked to go to women's army, a uh, women's jail. Women's jail. Yeah, 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 sorry. 
And also, and now he has he asked to go and take a shower with with girls just for he's identified as a woman, although he didn't not transition, didn't do anything, and to put like eighteen year old uh, women there that are at risk and they're they're mandatory because this is like. It's mandatory here. If you go to jail, you go there because to to the RV jail, you go there because you don't uh, you tried not to go. Uh, you didn't wake up to get, you didn't show up for like a week there. It's not like regular jail. They're not criminals. And this thing, this situation, makes it so horrible. It's like what you hear in Canada and in the States and England about what happened in jail. So think about it, that it's not jail. It's not people that are violent. It's just 18-year-old girls that are mandatory have to be there. And then they're forced to get take a shower with someone cause, because it's mandatory. They don't want to discriminate the transgender gender fluid person. And again, all the time for their identity, women's rights are being erased. I don't care. Have your own bathroom. Have your own whatever. There is no reason that 18-year-old girls have to be forced to shower with a guy. So is there a debate around trans-identified people in the military in Israel, or is that something only kind of a few of you are talking about? It starts now, I think. Like, it, it was before, it, it, it's really just starting here. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, there was uh, this uh, transgender uh, male to female, and uh, I don't know, a few years ago, but she actually transitioned, and she showered alone, and then they did the things the way they were basically supposed to do them. But it gets worse, because we're following you guys. So... The, the the whole discourse starts started basically like I don't know six months ago I will say mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. until then all the feminists goes like it's okay they wonder then it's fine and then they realize it's gonna affect on a girl's life and started talking about it and being accused as turf. So are you two? Have you two experienced being called? a turf by other Israeli feminists or is that, you know, is, where's that coming from? Is that coming from somewhere over there? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all, I'm constantly called the turf, but, uh, I, as I said, I feel like I didn't exclude any, um, I don't exclude anyone from my feminism. Any person who is uh, willing to support abolitionism is wanted here. I, I'm not, uh, doing uh, chromosome uh, tests for for people who support uh, abolitionism and oppose the sex trade. So everyone is uh, wanted here. I don't exclude anyone, but yes, I'm, I'm uh, called a turf all the time for everything, for abolitionism, for not having a gender identity, for uh, feeling uh, for, for feeling uncomfortable with uh, safe spaces which are not sex segregated, of course. Okay. And tell me, is there is there organizing happening over there around women's sex-based rights and, you know, with regard to the gender identity movement, legislation, trans activism, etc.? 
Uh, I don't think uh, so far, I don't think that uh, anything happens. I think that uh, safe spaces for uh, uh, sex segregated spaces are uh, not protected here right now. But uh, and uh, about the army, I, uh, Daphna explained right now, but uh, I feel like uh, every, every feminist person who could uh, pick this battle is busy with the implementation of the Nordic model. And this is the big problem. I feel like, uh, you know, that women women's work never ends and they always add more and more and more work for us. We have more and more <laughs> tasks. <laughs> and, and the same women are doing everything. So right now, no, we have nothing because uh, even I feel like I, I, I'm uh, right now, I'm more devoted to, to the battle I already started. Well, Luba, but that battle is also against uh, uh, trans activists. They're the one that's fighting you on on uh, the prostitution issues. Yeah, uh, this is true. It, this is practically this is what happens. But uh, in theory, I'm, I'm any any activist, male, female, trans, uh, not trans. Everyone is uh, in in theory. Everyone is wanted in the, in our uh, struggle for the Nordic model. So, uh, in 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 uh, practically yes, practically even for simply for being abolitionist no, it doesn't matter how much you support the, the, the gender identity theory you will be called turf and uh, uh, shame the public if you if you don't support sex work i think it just uh, we can uh, now we can acknowledge that the same people uh, support different but uh, different sides of the barricade Great, thank you. Um, I wonder, is there any way that people in in the U.S. and in Canada and the U.K. in other parts of the world can can follow the feminist fight and and support the feminist fight in in Israel? I I already made the I started building the network networking with the abolitionist women. And uh, I, I know some women in Canada, and uh, I really love uh, meeting more and more women. Uh, by the way, uh, via uh, I think that my first uh, exposure to gender critical feminism, a real exposure, not not in theory, was when I was in Canada. I was in Canada a year ago, and uh, all this. Uh, 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 mess in Vancouver uh, rape relief happened. Mm. I think it was my first exposure, and uh, I was so shocked by by what happened. And uh, I donated uh, some small amount of some, maybe one hundred dollars or something, and uh, I contacted them. And uh, since uh, then, I became uh, real life friends with Hila. And uh, I, I feel that uh, sometimes bad things may make us united. Um, and and Daphna, what what is it that you're working on right now? Is there any way that people can can follow your work and support your work? Well, we are all working on a on a website, but it's more of like um, translating uh, information in English to Hebrew. Like all all we post is in Hebrew about this subject. Uh, and what's the website? I guess, like, if you follow us on, on social media, there is one... Um, and what's your name on social media? Um, 
on Facebook, it's uh, Daphna Moel. Okay, um, but is there a group that that you're saying people can follow on on social media? It's it's all no. The group is all in Hebrew, but there is like on Twitter, we have one friend from our group that posted a lot of stuff, and she's she's really active there, so you can you can see what's going on. And who's that? I'm just trying to help people follow you guys on yeah, social I know. media. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> demand that I, that I'll write in English because like my oh, gotcha. my American friends don't really care about about gender identity. Or feminism, they right. care about food. <laughs> so, so I don't write usually on the on those subjects in English. Okay. But we'll we'll try to like make a list of stuff that we that can be read for like non Hebrew speakers. Sure, great. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for for talking with me today about this. I think that a feminist current audience will be really interested and excited to hear about all that's going on over there. You all have been doing some really great work, it sounds like. Thank you so yes, much. I, I hope that uh, this is this was a great opportunity for me to, to talk with, uh, I, I uh, value your Feminist Current uh, magazine. So, and uh, I hope that uh, Maybe I will meet more abolitionists from Canada because uh, I would love to learn from your implementation. You are a more senior Nordic model country, so yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, the 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 fight was successful in many ways in Canada, but the main problem we're dealing with now is enforcement because the police um, in in Vancouver in particular, which is where I am, of course, are, are not enforcing the law. So we won the law, but we've we've struggled to to get the the police here to to enforce it. And um, but this is what I meant on. by saying uh, women's work never ends. We we will never be able just <laughs> right. to, to drink champagne or something. Exactly. Yeah, we can never really relax, can we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. It was great to talk to you both. Thanks again. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Okay, take care. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. You just heard an interview with Daphna Morell and Luba Fain. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com. Tweet at us at Feminist Current or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy, out of Vancouver, B.C., If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation to support our work. We're independent. We don't rely on ads, investors, grants. We rely purely on listeners like you. So please visit FeministCurrent.com and click the donate button.